This is an RNZ podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Money with me, Mary Holm. Thanks for taking just a few minutes to listen in while Jesse Mulligan and I talk through some useful ideas about how to make your money work better for you. Just remember though, this is guidance. Final decisions are up to you. Mary Holm is in our Auckland studio to talk shares and the best way to invest in them. Mary, welcome to Afternoons. Thank you, Wallace. Good, good to have you here. Yes, Before thanks. we get into this, though, I, I have got to uh, ask you about this capital gains tax announcement oh, because yes, people will be wanting to know what you think. Yeah, well, I'm disappointed. I, I mean, I've been saying in my Herald column for years that that... I think we should have a capital gains tax, but um, and I, and I was I've been swamped with questions. My Herald columns, the Q and A column, swamped with questions about it for for months, and and but sort of trying to get something else into the column as well, you know, because it could be could be a bit heavy going ha- yes. uh, having sort of four or five Q and As all about all about the capital gains tax. <laughs> so did you but, have to um, rewrite your uh, Herald article? I did have to you rewrite did. some of it yesterday. <laughs> Yes, yeah. um, my deadline is Wednesday, and I had some Q and A's all teed up about capital gains on rental property because I thought that at least was going to still happen. I think most people thought that, and it didn't. And I just think, I mean, very broadly, that it's fairer if if people are taxed on gains they make as in, in the same way as they're taxed on income they make. And I think you can even make an argument that, that people should be taxed more if they're just sitting at home and, they've, and their assets gain, gain value than if they're out there down the coal mine or something working really mm. hard for their money. But uh, look, it is, it is an awfully complex thing that, you know, the more you get into it, the, the broad idea is good. I yeah. think um, you start getting into the detail about it. I mean, for one thing, I think they needed to adjust the gains for inflation, and they didn't come out for doing that. And if if you don't adjust the gains for inflation, then there are strong arguments for people, um, for example, owning a rental property, mm. and then it gains a whole lot because of inflation over, say, 10 or 20 years, and they sell it and have to pay a huge amount of, well, you know, up to a third of the gain in tax, they couldn't then turn around and buy another rental property of the same type. Mm. And that's the kind of issue that I must say I was struggling with, and I'm sure the tax working group struggled with. Um, And they didn't want to adjust for inflation, and I really think they should have. Mm. But look, in the end, Wallace, it's it's dead and gone, and let's go on and look at at some other things. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's surprising, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, And meanwhile, people are still investing in shares and... The majority of New Zealanders now will have investments in shares even though they don't realise it because most KiwiSaver funds, except the very low-risk ones, have got some investments in shares. And and then there's also retired people who aren't in KiwiSaver. Quite a few of them will have share investments. Mm. So I, I would think more than half of New Zealanders have got investments in shares. Do you think so? More than half? Yeah, because yeah. it's um, more than half the population is in KiwiSaver. What is it now? We, have, we have a bad relationship um, with shares, don't we? That's maybe yeah, why we put yes. so much time into our uh, rental investments. Yes. I can recall yep. in the early 80s, even people at school, 13, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, <laughs> were looking at the paper and looking at share prices. That was at, the early 80s. It was, I can recall even, even myself 
Yes. As a 13-year-old, looking at the share index. Yeah, that, w- was, um, that was a bit of an aberration, that ah. period in our history. I don't think ever before or since have as many people got into shares as they did in the 80s when the share market went crazy, when, you know, was gaining so fast. And then we had the 87 crash, which was the biggest, probably the second biggest crash in New Zealand history. I think possibly 1929 was worse. But... Um, and we hit, that crash hit us worse than the rest of the world because a lot of New Why? Zealanders had borrowed to invest in shares and therefore, you know, when your shares become worth nothing and you've still got a debt that you owe, that, that was why it then passed on into the housing market as well. And, oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, my husband and I owned a house in St Helia's, which was in an area where a lot of people would have had share investments and we sold that house a year or so after the crash and lost 30% on it. 30%? I've never ever met... I've, I've asked a lot of people over the years, has anyone else, has anyone else ever lost, lost 30% on a house? We bought it, you know, just before... the. We only lived there for a year or two for various reasons. Bought it just when things were really booming and sold it when they busted and we lost 30% on it. And so that was the property market as well. The, the share market crash flowed on into the property market because people were leaving nice suburbs like St Helies because they ended up with debt and no shares and they had to get out, you know. So, I mean, those were extraordinary times. But the thing is that New Zealanders remember the share market crash, but not the property crash that came with it. How interesting is that? Yeah. We've forgotten that. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so if you have uh, if you have a specific question around shares, um, and if we have time, we'll, well, I will put it to Mary. But yeah. uh, here's one anyway. Uh, we've got a couple of letters. Uh, and yes. we'll start off with this one from Simon. It's Which is an awfully long letter. I edited it down a bit, but it's a very interesting, thought-provoking letter, so I suggest listeners listen to it. Okay, well, here we go. I'm listening to your podcast on RNZ, and one you essentially stated that currencies and their bubbles don't actually create wealth. They don't create anything in factories or provide services to anyone, and so are basically unethical, was the gist that I think you were going for. But this is always the criticism that I have had towards owning shares also. Apart from when a company issues shares, which is why they gain money, as far as I can see, the company is completely disconnected from those shares. I now own some Amazon shares, and Amazon does not even give dividends. It seems to me that the only thing that gives those shares value is that myself and the entire market think that those shares are connected to Amazon. This is a bit like money. The only reason money is valuable to me is because the whole of society thinks that this is the, these bits of paper are worth exchanging for goods and services. I often wonder... What is stopping everyone in the market from basing the value of Amazon shares on Apple or, heck, even the price of milk, especially as there are no dividends to tie us to Amazon? But if for shares that provide dividends, I don't understand what incentive the company has to give out those dividends. Once the company has sold shares in an initial public offering, they have their money. What do they care what happens after that? They don't materially benefit from their share price going up, do they? Except if they want confidence for future offerings. The only thing left is ownership. 
but by far the majority of shareholders have virtually no say in that their vote is far too small. But my charge to you, Mary, is this. Except for offering shares to, to, the, to the public, all share trading is immoral because it does not benefit the company associated with those shares. When I bought Amazon shares, I was paying random shareholders, not Amazon, and so Amazon doesn't benefit. When a company issues dividends, it does not benefit because it has to pay money. Even though this might make the shares more valuable, the company does not benefit from these shares being worth more money. Regards, Simon. So uh, quite a long email there, but nevertheless, some very interesting issues in there, Mary. Yes, and I I think probably a lot of people ponder that, that mm. if I go and buy shares in the share market I'm buying them from you let's say but n- nothing directly to do with the company that originally issued the shares I, and in thinking about this I thought it might be helpful to imagine um, a group of people have got together and decided to build a, a, a building a rent that's going to have a lot of units in it that they're going to rent out so they're going to be, become landlords and so they they go to their friends and raise money from everybody to build this building. Some own a big portion of the building and some own a small portion of the building. And so initially, the the money that's raised is used to build the building. In other words, and the same with the share, the shares, the company will issue mm. shares at the beginning to to build the company with. But then once the building's built, we've got our, our building owners here hiring a manager to run the building for them and and the there's expenses and there's also rent coming in and after they've paid the expenses a portion of the rent gets paid out to the owners of the building yes. and that's the same as dividends in a company the the dividends are just a share of the profits being made by the company okay. get get given to shareholders and so we've got this this group of people owning the building some of them own a big some of them might even own 50% of it and some of them own 1% they've all put their money in mm. and then some of them decide they don't want to own the building own, own their share of the building anymore so they sell their shares to friends of theirs, shares in the building, to friends of theirs. And so the trade goes on with different owners changing the ownership of the building. Um, and sure, when when one of those people sells their shares to another one, it does that money doesn't directly go to the building. But still, gotcha. they mm. are all owners of the building. And it's exactly the same with companies. The, companies are, the company is running its business and making profits and paying dividends out of those profits in the same way as a building at the beginning quite often with a rental property people don't get much money out if any money out because the expenses are higher than the rent they get they're getting rent but they're paying um, ah. mortgage payments um, and and rates and maintenance and insurance, etc. And quite a lot of people, in fact, in the early days of owning a rental property have to put money into it over and above the mm. rent. And, and, and in the same way with a company when it's just growing and young, quite often they'll be, they might make some profits, but they don't distribute them as dividends. They keep the money yes. to grow the company. And so, and, and Simon, I think he's saying that Amazon doesn't, he owns shares in Amazon mm. and they're still not paying dividends, even though the company's 
awfully big now. But no so why doubt, is that? Probably they're still just keeping the money to, to grow the company further. How, you know, how can that be, though, the world's largest company? <laughs> what, 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 where to grow? What are they, what, what's their value now? Is it $100 billion or something? Oh, no, no, way more than that. It, that must be. Either they are keeping the money to grow or they're not making a profit, and it's hard to believe the latter, isn't it? So, so... So, I mean, I actually don't know the ins and outs of, of what's happening at Amazon, but a lot of companies that are growing, especially new companies, you get no dividends or very low dividends. And it's more the more mature companies that are sitting there mm. um, just getting on with their business who pay dividends out to people. But what Simon's got to remember is just the same way as the people that own the building are the owners, so the shareholders are the owners of the company. He says, he does mention that, he says... Um, one one thing left is ownership, but by far the majority of shareholders have virtually no say, as their vote is far too small, and that's quite right. But but the big shareholders and the big owners of the building get most of the say in yeah. what happens to the company, and that's just life, really. Yes. Um, you, you, if enough small shareholders get together, and that has happened, you know, and, and want to get rid of, say, the the chief executive or somebody like that, they can band together and do that. So they do have power um, on the floor. They do, yeah. in, in, in numbers. Cases, but, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I know that individual shareholders don't feel as though they do have much mm. power, and, in fact, most of them actually don't. But as the, the executives in the company, because Simon is, I think, you know, some of his letters suggest he's concerned about the people running the company. Now, they're hired by the board, and the board is there representing the shareholders, i.e. the owners. And the board hires the executives. If the executives don't perform well, they'll lose their jobs or, or get a pay cut at least. And so their incentive is to please the owners and so keep on um, keep the company performing well so that the owners will get higher dividends mm. and ultimately higher prices when they sell their shares. And so that's that's how the whole thing works. It, it's... Um, a lot of executives also, a lot of the senior executives in a lot of companies own quite a few shares themselves, and that's one thing companies often encourage that because mm. it gives them an extra incentive to have the company do well. And sometimes some companies also have employee share ownership schemes for everybody in the company. Yeah. I've had that at one company I worked for. Have you ever had it anywhere? No, I haven't, but I have heard um, of it. I yeah, have heard of it a, a two or three times, share yeah, ownership schemes. Yes. Because not only, yeah. do, not only do you sort of get buy into shares, but it's actually... You feel a sense of ownership. You do. It's yeah. it's very interesting. I, on a newspaper I worked for in America, they did that. And it was funny because even though we all only owned a tiny little portion of the shares and they sold them to us at sort of below market rate to encourage people to get into the scheme. But you still were a bit more inclined to be a bit more careful about um, wasting paper or something stupid. Interesting? You, might, you might say to your mate, hey, uh, you know, don't waste that. This, you know, we're owners of this company. We're owners too. Just, yeah, yeah. It was an interesting... <coughs> interesting but, but most companies in New Zealand don't do it that way. But but nonetheless, if the, if the employees don't perform well, mm. they're not going to keep their job or get pay rises. And if the executives don't perform well, they're going to once, once again lose their jobs. It's ultimately the shareholders are the owners of the company. Okay, yeah. uh, Simon. We I hope that um, uh, I hope that uh, I answered your question there. Very interesting letter. Thank you very much for that. Um, 
Here's one from Hope. Uh, I hope you don't mind, Mary. I would like to sell all our shares, but I don't know how to go about it. I don't want to be bothered with them anymore. Plus, I've never made much money from us personally. Yes, that's interesting, Hope. Um, because a lot of individual shareholders don't necessarily do particularly well with their shares. And and she, it's probably she, is wondering how to sell them um, the cheapest way really is to just go to an online broker um, or a company like Sharesies, or I think there's a company. I don't know whether Sharesies would sell all your shares, come to think of it. I think if you look for an online share broker, mm. um, that would be the way to go, rather than necessarily going into a share broker's office where you might have to pay higher higher brokerage, I think. yeah. Someone says here, a few USA countries companies pay dividends. Uh, retained profit um, drives up the share price. This is the reason the NZX rankings now take into account dividends, not just the share price. Yeah, yeah, I understand what they're saying. New Zealand companies do tend to pay a bigger proportion of their profits out in dividends than they do in America. But I wouldn't oh. say few American companies pay oh. dividends. That's a bit of an extreme. Yeah. Um, but we do tend to, to pay more. And it's partly because we have what's called imputation of dividends in New Zealand, which basically means... People who own shares, individuals who own shares, get credit for the fact that the company has already paid tax on the profits, so they don't get double taxed. And that doesn't happen in America. And it does give give a bit of an incentive to pay more of the profits out in dividends. That's partly why they pay more in dividends in New Zealand. Mm. But Amer- I lived in America for years, so most companies still do, pay dividends. They do. There. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. With uh, Mary Holm this afternoon talking about uh, shares, can I just, um, oh yes, when I worked for Fletcher Challenge years ago, they issued shares to employees, says Karen. Yes, so that would be one of those employee share ownership schemes. Yes, there is a good letter here. Did you see that one that I sent you? A letter to? I want to make sure, yes. Shall we get to that right now? Well, whenever, yes. Uh, Now, James uh, asks, if as an individual... You didn't want to use an investment firm to advise you on shares and wanted to do it all yourself. How and what information would you need to look at to see if the company or companies you were suitable to invest in? A very broad question, I know. Yeah, well, and um, I, I don't, don't really advocate most New Zealanders trying to invest in individual shares. I think it's, for a lot of reasons, it's better just to be in a share fund, either within KiwiSaver or outside KiwiSaver. You get a much wider diversification. And individual people um, aren't really going to be very good at picking which are the best shares to buy. I mean, people say, well, you know, you can go and do your research and find out which company's a good company and has got, got good prospects. And that's absolutely true, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a good investment because the experts have already done more. They got ahead of you and they've done more research mm. on the companies. And if a company looks as though it's got good prospects, they've gone in and bought it. And when lots of people buy shares, they push the price up. The same as if lots of people buy anything. Mm. They push the prices up. So by the time individual people get into the market and buy the shares, the price is already pretty high. So even if you're buying a very good company, if you buy it at quite a high price, the chances of then selling it down the track at a higher price 
are not very good. Yeah. So, I mean, an interesting example of that is there are three companies on the New Zealand Stock Exchange that are, invest in retirement villages and rest homes and that kind of thing. And people quite often say, that's got to be a good bet because so many baby boomers are coming through and will end up I've in those villages. I've often heard that. Yeah. The trouble is, everybody knows that. So, that's, so <laughs> the share prices of those companies High. are always going to be higher ah. than they would have been if there wasn't the baby boom thing coming along. I'm not saying you can't do well in there, but not you won't necessarily do well in those shares. It's a real, um, I mean, a lot of research shows you might as well get a dart and throw it at the share tables and pick the <laughs> shares. That, and, you know, there's research on baboons um, picking shares. There's all sorts of, and, and doing just as well as individual share pickers. I think Warren Buffett um, said a similar thing, actually. Yes, he, he has certainly said that. I mean, he himself has proven that he's a very good share picker, but he says, for the ordinary person, you're far better off to go into an index fund of shares, which is a low-fee share fund, than trying to pick other pick the shares. Having said all that, some people make a hobby of studying shares and choosing which ones to buy, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a hobby. And my dad used to do it and got a great pleasure out of it, and a lot of people do. Just don't necessarily expect to do better than the experts in the share funds, because you probably do worse. Because they get, they get the information first. They're oh. sitting there watching the minute a company, the minute a company announces that something really, they've got some new really good contract going or something like that. The the professionals are in there buying within seconds. And when it comes um, to the shares, timing's crucial. Yeah, yeah. That, so they're getting them before oh. the, their price is reflecting that good new that good news. You know, within minutes, the price is going to go up because they've pushed it up. So by the time you read it in the paper or hear it on the radio, whatever, (laughs) and go and buy your shares the next day, the price is already up. It's already, the news is already reflected in the price, Mm. so you're not going to benefit from it. Yeah. Very interesting. Look, I've only got a couple of minutes left, Mary. It's been yes. absolutely fascinating. I could talk to you more about this, uh, uh, but um, I'm sure I will be listening in next week when you're with Jesse. But yeah. just a brief word on insider trading before we go. Yes, yes. It's just an interesting case yeah. that's come through the Financial Markets Authority. I'm actually on the board of that, but that's irrelevant to, to what we're saying here. They, there was an, a, a financial executive of a company who thought he was clever he he knew that the company was had just got a really good contract with Japan actually with, with some Japanese people had come in and got a contract with his company and he knew that when the word got out about that the share price would go up and so before the word got out he he bought quite a small amount he bought ten thousand dollars worth of shares um, but after the price went up they went up to seventeen thousand so he probably wished he bought ten million and they got up to seventeen million I mean the point is they rose very fast um, after the news was announced but he got caught there were some people watching and they said, hey, this doesn't look good. Um, and he's ended up for, he made a $7,000 profit, but he's had to pay $150,000. Oh, no. And he's barred from being a director for five years, etc. And I just want to point that out because not all New Zealanders realise, I, I 
chatting to people, they quite often don't realise that it's not always the executives of a company. You might be in a you know middle, even lower level job in a company, but you happen to know that something very good or something very bad is about to be announced about your company. You're not allowed to go and buy buy shares or sell shares in the company on the strength of that. So not just the CE. That's right. Everybody. That I did not know. Yeah. So and you, if you, it's insider trading. You're trading with insider information. If you get caught, you can get into big trouble. With wow. it. You've, you've got to. I mean, it's one thing saying, oh, the company I work for is doing quite well these days. I quite like to own some shares in it. That's fine. But if you know about a particular announcement that's mm. going to make people either rush to buy or rush to sell, and you do it before the announcement's made, um, the, the government regulators are watching this much more closely than they used to, and you could be in big trouble. Seven gram profit. 150k penalty. Yeah, not wow. too good, eh? No. <laughs> Gee, it's been really interesting this afternoon. Mary Holm, uh, all about the shares this afternoon. Mary, thank you very much for Pleasure. your time.